0: This is Trevin McGee from Lawrence.com, sitting here with Eric Moline, air guitar going? aficionado.
1: Yes, <laughs> among other things. Among
0: other things, jack of all trades. Is there
1: another movie critic air guitar champion in the world? I think not.
0: Well, not yet, anyway. <laughs> but I'm There's confident.
1: not either, because I'm not a champion yet. So, yeah. well, Something to aspire to. Dare to
0: dream. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we are here today to talk about... Few things we're going to talk about three days, the Russell Crowe the next three days, the next three days, three days,
1: America movie ever. Right, come on, it's
0: it's (laughs) not you know, it's no 127 hours, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, so we got the new Russell Crowe movie to make fun of or or praise, whichever, and uh, we also have this weird little indie movie called Harry Potter, yes, that uh, I don't know, I saw it at Sundance and I (laughs) really liked it, yeah. So uh, we're going to check film. it out, too. And then we got some news, and um, I put myself through two horrible movies for Insomniac. So. I love what you do. You yeah. suffer for your art. I love I, that. I just, yeah, it's great. You know, every now and then. Every now and then you get a good one. I got, I did get one good one. I misspoke when I said two horrible movies. I got a good oh, one. Oh, okay. Speak, so. But I got a bad one to, to balance it out. So. I think
1: I'm going to be working on a top ten list uh, coming up soon. Uh, be- Inspired by Best Worst Movie, which is the documentary based yeah. on the making of uh, Troll 2. Troll 2. Which is widely considered, and in my eyes, possibly the very best worst movie. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going I'm to write a top ten list soon of... of Really great bad movies, because, you know, sometimes bad movies can be a freaking slog. Oh, yeah. So that's,
0: the, that's the worst kind of bad movie, yeah. it's one that just drags and drags and drags and drags. And the ones that realize they're bad and are entertaining, those are fantastic.
1: Yeah. Well, even if they don't realize they're entertaining, yeah. if they don't know, but it's still, you know...
0: Surviving the Game, for example. Surviving the Game is a great bad movie, because it just never... Let's They just never drags Yeah Or like Tango and Cash Another one of my favorite Bad movies Tango and Cash I mean Kurt Russell puts a grenade Down a guy's pants And throws him down A flight of stairs (laughs) That's awesome That is awesome Like No two ways about it But yeah I um I watched Gamer Two weeks ago yeah Gamer This
1: is uh, the same guys That did uh, Crank and Crank 2 Neville Dean Taylor
0: They go by Their last name's Sandwich together But yeah Is it two guys? Yeah Okay Two guys um, and I was surprised. I was I was pleasantly surprised. Um, it's uh, sort of a dystopian future type movie. Um, in, oh, so it's
1: like Children of Men then?
0: Yeah, except <laughs> it's almost it's eerie how much like it's Children. <laughs> of Men. Um, no, uh, Gerard Butler plays this guy named Cable, who is a uh, he's a character basically in a in a live action video game.
1: Oh, so and it's someone
0: remote control. Yeah, it's a lot like Running Man. Um, someone remote controls him um, through these battlefields, and um, if he can survive 30 matches, he gets his freedom because he's a convicted murderer. Everyone that plays the game is a death row felon.
1: So somebody's actually playing him. Yeah, there's a his kid behind him
0: named Simon that like controls him, um, but there, there are a few things he can't do, um, like the – the 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 characters are called icons so the icon pulls the trigger yeah so he he looks and moves him but it's the icon that eventually uh drops him and
1: it came out last year right
0: yeah last fall okay. about a year ago um and it really played up the whole dystopian um future type thing but it it was actually really um engaging and kind of kind of troubling at times mainly because the, what they don't show you in the trailers is, is there's uh, another game that 's played um called uh, um society called society it 's basically like a live action version of the sims where these people these actors go into this play area and then they are controlled by someone else, and the person controlling them chooses their clothes and everything and of course it's an excuse to just like have everyone sleep with everyone and you just see all these like they, they shoot it really interestingly. Like They use these hyper-vibrant colors, and that's another thing that I'll talk about in a minute is what they use to shoot it, because that really made the difference. They use these hyper-vibrant uh, colors and just this crazy... It's this crazy, creepy world. And So the idea of like taking these characters, these video game um, things that we're, um, that we're really... It's always easy to to sort of pawn off, especially when people complain about video game violence, and attaching like a person to it was disturbing at times legitimately disturbing
1: so that when uh, a video game uh, icon gets killed on the screen because that is played by a real person in a movie you actually feel something is that what you're saying or what oh well, no it's it's just a little different
0: if you consider if you think of someone being controlled by someone else oh, which, okay. that's a big theme is control none of the stuff with cable like his action stuff that's not a big deal I, but the society stuff is really weird um mainly because his wife is in there And so there are these shots where like this giant, you know, like it's really heavy handed, but this um, morbidly obese guy is controlling her and he's eating, he's dipping waffles and syrup and just (laughs) eating them. Yeah. And then like, meanwhile,
1: she's like this hot. Yeah. And he's
0: choosing her outfit and he makes her wear like go-go boots and, and hot pants and a fur coat and like just this weird outfit and then approaches someone and, and, uh, they have this conversation that's basically like ASL, and where do you want to go? And, you know, it's very awkward and, and creepy. Um, but the, the uh, Battlefield stuff, the game is called Slayers, and the Battlefield stuff's awesome. Like the, the, the level of choreography, and just how much stuff goes on, and how well rehearsed a lot of the action scenes are really is great. And then the thing about Nell Dean Taylor is even though there's a lot of stuff that's really derivative in the movie, um, they make movies kind of like someone who's never made a movie before and not in a bad way, but they just – conventions don't really stand up to them. So whereas someone would say, why did you put a camera here? It doesn't make any sense to put a camera here. They'll put a camera there. Or like why would you rehearse this meticulous battle scene just to shoot it from 30 feet above – and they do it and it looks awesome it looks great like you've got all these people hitting their marks and doing all this combat stuff and a helicopter flies overhead and it really uh it, it not only does it look like a video game but it also just looks really cool
1: See I, I uh, it was because of you that I watched Crank 2 Yeah High Voltage which, uh, which which I, I will stand by one of my favorite movies ever made. So, so the opening, the very opening sequence is this great sequence where this newscaster mm-hmm. uh, is talking about, he's running down the events of the first movie where yeah. Jason Statham dies at the end. <laughs> and uh, he says something and he, and he winks to the camera and talks mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, how implausible this all is. Right. And I love that. Like right from the beginning, you know, okay, the, the, the filmmakers know this is going to be yeah. a ridiculous plot. It's not going to make any sense. They're winking at us right away. Yeah. Um, but then it was kind of a slog through really? a lot of this stuff, and I, I already used that word. But, uh, okay, so I, I, I'll, I'll agree with podcast. you that, that they have a certain amount of technical prowess, mm-hmm. and they're definitely trying new things. Mm-hmm. Stylistically, they're all over the map with yeah. cut-up sequences and, and crazy angles and a lot of grainy shots mm-hmm. and uh, you know, out-of-proportion uh, uh, out um, close-ups and things like that. But I think the material just beneath them. Like there's so much in this movie that was just, uh, you know, like this prostitute who won't leave him alone and this weird bisexual. I mean it's just – I don't mind things like a head in a, in a, uh, uh, in a jar. I know, love the, that scene. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's <laughs> great. So awesome. I mean stuff like that just doesn't make any sense and it's just so out there that you're, you're kind of like, wow, right. I, I love the, the balls these guys have to yeah. even try this stuff. But then so much of it just seemed wasted on this – uh, kind of third grade humor, and yeah. and I don't mind third grade humor. I think Jackass is funny, and I yeah. think Freddie Got Fingers is is kind of a avant garde masterpiece. Yeah. But, <laughs> honestly, I know but, I love it too. But for some reason, this this uh, this the way that these guys did their humor, it just. Uh, it wasn't funny to me. Like, hmm. there's this scene where they're having sex on the racetrack. Yeah. And I was just like, God, it's just not... Like, I got the joke five minutes ago, and they're still doing yeah. it, you know? So I appreciated the style behind it, but I'm wondering if if, the, uh, if Gamer is going to be more like that. So I'm, I'm going to take your recommendation with a grain of salt, because... Okay. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really wanted to like this, and I'm, I'm curious to You're see more movies. You are saying Crank 2, you really wanted to like I really Crank wanted 2. to like Crank 2, and I'm curious to see more movies by this team... You know their uh, next like movie? S- no.
0: Ghost Rider 2 with Nick Cage.
1: Okay. Well, if, if Cage hams it up as much as he did and, and batting And I the think China. they're
0: just going to let him off the chain and let him be a crazy person. Well, you know, that's and I, and okay. I, I'm fine with that. Yeah, because the
1: first one was really dull. Yeah, the first really one was Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Okay, cool.
0: Demi Moore's Strip Tease. Nice. No, not at no. all. <laughs> not nice. Uh,
1: Burt Reynolds is yeah. in this movie, yes. and I remember this was after Boogie Nights, mm-hmm. and everybody was thinking, oh, what a great uh, you know way to He's follow back. Up his comeback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he
0: he you know, just went out of his way, kind of like John Travolta, to just like piss away the every opportunity. Bit of goodwill that he had. Yeah, 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 every bit of goodwill that he had, and just sort of prove that he'll do whatever you throw at his feet. Without a paddle. Without a paddle. <laughs> 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 the mountain man from Without a Paddle, Ugh. and then you know he replies his or reprises his role in in the Longest Yard remake, and you know, yeah, all that fun stuff. Anyway, striptease. Um, I'll be short with this one. It's just an excuse to see Demi Moore naked, and that's I and mean surgically enhanced. Surgically enhanced. I, I remember the press
1: at the time. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, they they made a big deal out of it. But yeah, like. I mean the front cover says it all it's just her naked on the front cover and that's that's the entire reason they made the movie cuz the plot sucks and the characters suck and everything about like it's not it's it not subversive fun? or funny it's not even campy fun it's just so dull and boring and like she just the things they put in there to sort of try and make it stand up on its own or like the weird little like um sort of peccadilloes of the movie to try and give it character to all fall flat. For example, she always dances to Annie Lennox songs, which is, that's, yeah, that's supposed to be something. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's all it is, is annoying. Um,
1: did she dance to the Annie Lennox song from Lord of the Rings? I wish <laughs> <laughs> the Oscar winning yeah. Annie Lennox song from oh, Lord okay. of the Rings featuring lyrics by Peter Jackson and his wife and Philippa Boyens. No, Brandon she
0: Walsh. did not Sorry. do that. But uh, also, she's way too tan in the movie, so she kind of looks like bacon. Mm. <laughs> it's really weird.
1: If I'm not mistaken, this is one of the last movies that she made before she kind of went on mm-hmm. a hiatus. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's really creepy because I, I, and actually at the time, she it was she got paid like $12 million to do wow. it at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was the single highest paying role for a female at that time. Yeah. And uh, this was like – this is in the, the day before Angelina Jolie. Yeah. You know, like she was – she could make money but um that's that's the whole purpose of the movie is just so she took a big naked.
1: payday because she was going to get naked i wonder how And the how creepy that thing about it is her Holly she cast Perry.
0: her daughter to play her daughter Oh really yeah Ugh. and so like i think it's rumor i think rumor willis is her daughter in the movie and it's really weird because i mean she's naked for a good majority of the movie and and yeah her daughter's around anyway uh striptease is destined for late night tbs viewings and and obviously
1: well on tbs you're not even yeah what's what's the point yeah you know
0: so that's the only place we'll probably ever see it again enough of old movies new movies you've seen new
1: movies i've seen some new movies um harry potter Mm -hmm. uh is one of those franchises it's now on its seventh film and um it's been going now for 10 years Mm -hmm. and uh this is the last chapter uh, but it's the first part of the last chapter, the Deathly Hallows. Uh, yeah. It's a really, really big book, and they split it up into two movies. And um, this series has—I don't know—you know—I've been watching them all in the theater since they came out, I'm reviewing most of them, yeah. uh, and and it's slowly been alienating me as it goes on. It gets it gets more and more to the point where, as somebody who's just been watching the movies. Mm-hmm. And hasn't read the books as well. I feel like uh, I'm watching an outline, a rough outline of a film. Yeah. Uh, and I'm seeing uh, these movies that kind of go through the motions. And they, they have to get to point A and to point B. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes if it means skipping all the stuff in between, that's okay. Because we have to cover this ground and move on so that we can get to the next film. Right. And, and especially the last two, I think, have been two of the worst ones. I think they mishandled... Uh, Dumbledore's death. Yeah, and you and I saw
0: the last one. We yeah. saw Half Blood Prince and reviewed it together. Yeah, and,
1: and it had some visually stimulating stuff mm-hmm. in it. I think some of the sequences sequences were really some well of the sequences. I, yeah. like, I like the sequences. <laughs> I a lot. like the sequins. No, but um, so uh, yeah, and uh, anyway, sh- long story short, um, I was pretty much after um, the Half Blood Prince. I was pretty much out. Yeah, I was too. Just out, just not looking forward to it, just uh, well, not wanting to see this all come to a head, not mm-hmm. really knowing the full story. Yeah you know, well, I think the biggest like crime of the time. movies
0: I think the biggest crime of the movies is just their, that sense of wonder um, that, that was so alive and, and, and you know crackling in the books is just not present at all.
1: Well, you know, right. I, I'm I'm on record as saying, and I'm still going to hold to that, even after seeing this new one, that the third one, The Prisoner of Azkaban, yeah. is the best one. It's the f- most fully realized journey, I think, yeah. uh, emotionally, and then it has that great ending that actually, you know, uh, it almost made me well up. It was that moment where Harry had to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, kind of you know make a really tough decision and and be the guy in charge. Yeah. Uh, this movie is the best Harry Potter film since that one. Okay, and and honestly, I can safely say uh, that with all of the uh, backstory kind of out of the way, knowing yeah. where the characters are at right now, I think I can enjoy the the conclusion of this film a little bit better after seeing this film. There's there's uh, you know two plus hours of Ron, Hermione, and uh, Harry on this uh, Lord of the Rings style journey uh, where they have to find these horcruxes and uh, and they're trying to uh, find these pieces of of Voldemort's soul and destroy them before he has all this power and basically takes over. And uh, because they're not in Hogwarts, because this movie doesn't start out uh, with everybody going back to school and beating the new Defense of the Dark Arts teacher and – you know, oh, are they going to be good or are they going to be bad? And, oh, does Snape, uh, is he really on our side or not? I mean, it's obvious. I can... Right. They've foreshadowed everything so much. I don't... Didn't read the books, but I feel like I know exactly how this is going yeah. to end. But for one movie, for this film, for, for two and a half hours, I felt like I got to know these characters and these kids... Uh, they're not kids anymore. Um, yeah. They they really did a great job of of showing the uh, the fullness of the relationship, and and uh, nothing seemed rushed. You know, right. it was it was nice. They had time. Well, to I breathe. hope
0: not. I mean, they made two movies.
1: I think it was the best decision they could have made. And honestly, yeah. I think it, it it speaks volumes about uh, some of the uh, bridging that they've done before. I think that if they were yeah. going to try to cram all that stuff in there, maybe they should have done this earlier because honestly, it makes for a more satisfying. Uh, journey altogether. And so there's also some really great sequences. I wanted to point out real quick. Uh, there's an animated sequence when they do the flashback and they tell about the story of the Deathly Hallows. Oh, cool. The style is amazing. It's, it's something we've never seen before in a Harry Potter film. Um, it's almost black and white, black and yellow, these crazy shadows. I don't know who did the animation, but that's a great sequence. It really adds to the film. And there's also this scene where, uh, where they're in disguise uh, as uh, older people from the Ministry of Magic, and they have to go undercover. Yeah. And it's not actually the kids, obviously, who are who are acting. It's these adult uh, English actors, and they do such a good job of of showing how scared, uh, you know, Harry and his friends would be in in these bodies going into this really evil place. So it's darker. Everyone said, "Oh, the last one was really dark." Oh, okay, yeah, it was kind of dark. Uh... And Dumbledore died and whatnot. And there was more style, but this movie actually I... feels like there's danger yeah. lurking around every corner because they're they're free. They're yes. out roaming around. They're all yeah. by themselves. You know, some of their protectors have died already yeah. at the beginning of the film, and things are getting serious. And for the for the first time, I feel like there's you know the weight on Harry's shoulders is, is finally being felt. Um, and and uh, all all of the plot stuff aside, this is just a good journey movie. Uh, it doesn't have an ending. That's a function of the movie. It's what do you think?
0: Like, just fade out? Like, what do you mean it doesn't? Well,
1: have an there is a a a major plot point that happens, and then the movie ends okay in other words their journey is definitely obviously not over it's kind of like the two towers honestly yeah. you know they're still on their journey uh, and it looks like the bad guys are going to win and then the movie ends so okay. I mean that's, that's the way they chose to do it and, and I knew that going in so I wasn't right. disappointed when it didn't have an ending I was just happy to to see a movie that was actually that actually felt like a movie instead so of a, a, you know Cliff's Notes of here's,
0: here's the million dollar question then yeah would it have been better in 3D? <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, that's another thing I have to give them credit yeah. for. Thank yeah. God they didn't do that. God. You know? What? And I know it's going to be seen in, in IMAX on some certain screens. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, it has a, a, a big uh, kind of epic quality to it. I think that would be cool to see it on IMAX, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'll, honestly, I'm giving this movie, uh, I, I when I first uh, was walking out of the theater, I was still a little, uh, but the more I think about it, the more mm-hmm. I like it. Um, so this is a solid recommendation for me. This is even more than a a minor. This is, uh, like I said, second best Potter movie so far.
0: Cool. Awesome. And, uh, you also saw the next three days. days. Yeah. The next three days. You didn't get to see the train movie, did you?
1: The train? No, I did not see Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Yeah. They screened it like a month and a half ago Mm -hmm. and then they never showed it again. So. I mean, for us early so that I could see it. Yeah. So, yeah. No. So uh, yeah. The next three days is um, Russell Crowe uh, plays this uh, pudgy. Uh, he's he's doing the pudgy thing again. Okay. Um, uh, a teacher, a school teacher, whose wife is put in jail okay. for murder, and he's Elizabeth convinced Banks. Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. And he's convinced that she is innocent. Mm-hmm. And they, they go through all the appeals in the courts to try to get her out. Nothing, nothing, you know, nothing works. Nothing get, uh, is working. And, and he reaches this point in typical Paul Haggis fashion. Oh, right yeah, Paul Haggis wrote this and, film. yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, he, he has this really big, obvious scene where he just gives you, uh, a, you know, spells out for you a character's entire motivation. So uh, Russell Crowe is in class. Uh, uh, teaching his kids, talking about Don Quixote, and he says, "You know, if your reality uh, isn't the reality that you choose to live in, you have to create your own reality." And that's when he realizes he's going to break her out of prison. So, okay, everything I've said up to this point sounds like a r- ridiculous premise, right? Yeah, it, it it kind of is. It's a remake of a French film, um, you know, and 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 uh, I think that that Haggis. Uh, you know, he wanted he wanted to get inside what it would be like if a normal person, mm-hmm. you know, a normal guy, a, a, a very ordinary guy, had to do this big task. And and having Russell Crowe, as an action star, do that is kind of a hurdle. But Crowe's so right. good. I mean, this guy, even in bad movies, I think I think this guy is convincing and believable. Uh, and this isn't the greatest movie. But he's certainly believable as this kind of schlub who makes this big decision. Now, right. you know, he goes on YouTube and Google's things <laughs> and, and figures out you know this really elaborate scheme to break her out of prison. And, mm-hmm. and whether you believe all that or not, you know that's that's uh, again something I really like else. that he you just, just kind of Google's
0: Google's prison break?
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, he, and he goes, oh, there was a TV show, and he watches all the scenes. <laughs> Then no, he has he has one ridiculous scene with Liam Neeson, who's in the movie for, yeah. for, at a bar, and he's like a guy who wrote a book about breaking out of prison. Oh,
0: okay, yeah, he they, they put him in the trailer. Yeah, so that one knew. scene
1: in the in the movie goes in the trailer. So he's not in the movie. So if you're big Leeson, Liam Neeson fans, stay at home. Oh God, well that's the only reason I can see. It. But I'm not. So here's the thing: I, with all this setup, yeah, and from the man who brought us all the ridiculous contrivances of Crash, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, this movie starts to work really yes how it works because it uh, sounds really stupid It does sound stupid. <laughs> he puts you uh, in in you know uh, the mindset of this guy who's got to do this thing mm-hmm. and every little thing that he does every little move that he makes that goes wrong mm-hmm. uh, you, you feel it you feel like the weight of oh this guy's got a kid he's got a family he's got mm-hmm. a life he's got a career and he's doing this stuff and you know if it doesn't work out this is this is going to be really bad and then it turns into a fairly decent. Suspense movie. Hmm. Like I said, it's not a big action movie. So there's not like these big action moments in it. But there are beats like an action movie, you know, like a good suspense movie kind of leading up to this breakout. There's almost no time uh, for Banks and Crow together. I think uh, Banks's character is fairly under under undercooked. Yeah, you know, like it's it's almost like, uh, you know, I I couldn't even remember who she I didn't even say her name at first because she doesn't really register as a presence. Um, but again, it's Crow carrying a movie, and then uh, once you get over the ridiculous uh, plot humps, uh, if, you, if you'd like to call them that, I think it works on a certain level yeah. as a, a suspense thriller. And and um, it has a couple moments that, that I liked. Then again, at the end, it has this awful uh, obvious tack-on uh, sum-up ending that Haggis likes to do where, where everything's black and white, there are no grays. And he likes to spell things out. So the, the minorest of recommendations for the next three days, if you're a big Russell Crowe fan and there's yeah. nothing else to see this weekend, you may want to check it out. It's, it's not terrible.
0: Does he do um, like a half Irish accent in this one like he did in Robin Hood? No, And then get mad when no, someone you know calls what? him on
1: it. There, yeah, he hasn't. It seems like Russell Crowe, the person, has no sense. I it can't can believe I'm, I'm recommending and, a Harry and it's Potter movie. All the stories uh, I've heard about it, a Russell Crowe movie. movie like an there it is. The person, but mm-hmm.
0: um, he hasn't been on a win. You know, sometimes they make the best. No, actors. not really. But um, there's you know, certain we, points we, where I'd I I say there's a somewhat of an accent we were going to hear. it probably shouldn't be. in
1: We'll try to make it. The next three days. Next three. There you go. If you want to see it, there it is. Minor. He wrote. It really is. He did direct. Wrote and directed. Oh yeah one of the worst Best Picture winners of all time, a movie called Crash that everybody remembers uh, because it beat Brokeback Mountain for Best Picture that year. And Brokeback Mountain was supposed to be the Best Picture winner. It's a a really good, strong character drama uh, uh, from Ang Lee. Um, It wasn't the best movie that year by any means. That was Munich, which was also up for Best Picture, Uh, the Steven Spielberg uh, movie, which was uh, brutal uh, and frank and challenging. And thrilling, and uh, anyway, Crash Crash beat the, uh, that Capote. I believe was up that year. Yeah, and uh, what was the other film? Yeah, I can't remember. So, if you're in front of a computer, Google it. But uh, all those movies were better than Crash. And Crash won. And it was seen as like this big political thing. Yeah, Broke brokeback mountain. Great, all the anti great race Cowboy commentary. Yeah. Great race commentary. Oh yeah, so Crash. Yeah, yeah. tell that us about race. Did you? <laughs> Did you know racism is bad, Trevin?
0: Uh-uh. Not until Crash told me it was. <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly. Uh, no, very, very, I, very... The issues I have with Crash are the same issues that you have with Crash, which are that uh, it is very um, vague. <laughs> it's, very, it's very vague and um, uninspired and stupid, honestly. And it treats the audience like it's Treats the audience like it's well, okay, let me back up. It thinks it's really smart. Yeah. It thinks it's really, really
1: that's, smart. That's that's yeah. That's that's the really wrong part that's about it. That's the worst yeah.
0: part of it, is that it says all of these like very obvious um boilerplate it makes all these boilerplate statements. Yeah. But it does so in in such a heavy handed way that people go, Oh wow, that's He's right about that.
1: I think I used the words "heavy-handed" well, in racism uh, is in my, really uh, is bad. Uh, Next three days review too. That's kind of a thing with Haggis, I think. Well,
0: he just you know, like he just paints in broad, stupid strokes, and he did it in Casino Royale. He wrote the script for that. See um, if you
1: remember this quote. Okay, we're always behind this metal and glass. It's the sense of touch. I think we miss that touch so much that we crash into each other just oh, so we can feel something. Oh my god! Huh? I just beat. <laughs> Kansas City's own Dom Cheadle, yeah, delivering uh, the th- the thesis statement of Crash. That's what,
0: all of his movies have thesis statements, and then they're That's very, handy. very um, they, they're conveyed in a very like obvious way. And then even the subtext isn't really; it's just, it shouldn't be called subtext. It's just text yeah. because you know what the the crime scene on Christmas, the holiest yeah. day of the year, and it's obvious, and uh, everything that. Everything that happens in that movie, everything that happens in that movie is um, deliberate.
1: It's very deliberate. I'm actually going to boil it down.
0: Unrealistic and tiresome.
1: Yeah, but but it tries to pretend that it is. Um, Basically, uh, you know... Even
0: the thing at the beginning when, like, the the two people are arguing over the car accident, the car
1: crash? Yeah. Get it?
0: um, At the very beginning, and, like, one is... One is Asian and one is I can't remember what the yeah. you know race matters, so you have to point it out in the movie. But yeah, the whole point is oh, it's a stereotype, and they're fighting and uh yeah.
1: See, uh, uh, Spike Lee already did uh, the greatest possible scene uh, about all all uh, races in a city having to get along. Are you uh, talking? Right
0: oh, twenty fifth hour. I think. Well, that's when he, great when too. He hits When he hits New York,
1: yeah. Like, I'm talking about the scene in Do the Right Thing yeah. where the Korean grocer spits out all of the uh, racial epithets and then the black guy spits them all out and mm-hmm. then and everybody just has that one moment where they're screaming at the camera all these racial yeah. uh, insults at at you know the people that they perceive to be their enemies even though they all live in the same area and, right. you know they they kind of come together in these certain ways that they don't even really realize because um life isn't black and white it's gray um, but no, the twenty fifth hour. That's a great movie too. That's another Spike Lee. That's a g-
0: great scene. Yeah, that's yeah, one of the. I mean, that's. I think that's Norton's best movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Interesting. That's yeah. It's really underrated. Somebody should do an overlooked movie on that. Yeah. Um, but no, what I wanted to say is here's here's what I boil Crash down to. Basically, okay. Uh, the approach is give us a set of expectations, mm-hmm. then upend them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Okay. Then put those people in a situation where they have to rethink their own behavior, mm-hmm. then end either with tragedy mm-hmm. or redemption, oppositely mm. tuned to what the audience wants to see happen. And that's the entire film. That's
0: a nice yeah, that's a nice equation you've got there. Thanks. The hagulator. The Let I me mean, just <laughs> run this through the hagulator real quick. <laughs> Let's see what we've got.
1: Oh boy! We should also point out that he won an Oscar for uh, his screenplay for Million Dollar Baby as well. (sighs) The year right before Crash.
0: Yeah, that's another one. Don't get me started on Eastwood. I'm alone here, but I I just I don't think he's ever made a good movie. Oh my god! Even Unforgiven. Uh, Oh what? I think think Unforgiven's a just. All right, that's another podcast. That's another podcast,
1: folks. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think honestly it's time to close up the Crash and move on to some movie news. What do you think? Let's do it. All right, so uh, we don't have music, but I'm going to do some music anyway, and uh, Trevin's going to announce the next segment uh, right now. Movie news. See? No royalties. No royalties. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so uh, Cameron Crowe uh, has a new movie coming out. Finalist. And I was really, really excited, yeah, because um, Elizabethtown maybe wasn't the best film, uh, but I always enjoy something uh, about his movies. Uh, and, and uh, you know, this is the guy who did Jerry Maguire, Say Anything – he wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, he directed was uh, almost, almost famous. famous yeah. Uh, anyway, Crow.
0: I will uh, say, as a director and writer, he consistently has the best taste in music. Like his his movies always have great even music if in it.
1: It was completely overpowering in Elizabeth Town. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, he had Ryan Adams do an entire soundtrack for it that he just scrapped. Oh like, really? There's there's an Elizabeth Town sessions like. Uh, bootleg you can get but he, ryan adams did like 17 songs just for the movie Ugh, thank and god they he didn't, didn't use, use any them. of them
1: um so uh no, so all right before i announce his project which some people may already know or not i'm just going to say this at one point it was rumored that he was going to be doing a pink floyd sid barrett biography which would but, have been cool picture. yeah and and at the time they were throwing on names like johnny depp and i'm like what johnny depp is already too old yeah to play sid in his prime early uh, 20s Uh, I think that would make a great movie, and I really wanted to see it, and I thought he was the right guy to do it. I don't know what happened with that. So I'm a little disappointed to see that uh, his new movie is called uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) We Bought a Zoo, and uh, it's going to star Matt Damon. It Mm -hmm. also has Elle Fanning and uh, Almost Famous Star Patrick Fugit, Uh, Thomas Hayden Church and Scarlett Johansson, and it's based on a memoir about a family that moves uh, to the English countryside and uh, operate a dilapidated zoo together. Oh, and I have to say, I'm not Do excited about this. you think Salisbury this.
0: Hill will be in the trailer
1: <laughs> at some point? <laughs> yeah. They learn to love them. Yeah. <laughs> in a foreign country with sheep. So, you know, I'm not excited about... Um, Anything about we bought a zoo except that uh, Cameron Crowe is, is the one behind it, so Not a cat sounds yeah, I guess I would have preferred some Sid Barrett um another uh movie uh that that we talked about before on a podcast uh, and the the news this week uh is is uh the new Wolverine movie. Yeah. Directed by Darren Aronofsky. It has a title.
0: The Wolverine.
1: The Wolverine.
0: And do you know where it's it's going to take place? It's, it's going to take place completely out of the universe that X-Men Origins and all that other stuff took place in. I heard
1: that it's a one-off.
0: It's a one-off, yeah. and it's going to be set in Japan, where uh, Logan dates, uh, or dates, marries, whatever, um, Yuriko, or Haruko, or whatever. Um, she's the daughter of this uh, Japanese crime boss. Cool. And so expect him killing a lot of dudes with katana swords.
1: Is this uh, uh, was this the one of the uh, celebrated miniseries limited run miniseries that they did?
0: Uh, no, it's it's based on part of the uh, actual like run of the Wolverine comic that Chris Claremont wrote, where oh, okay. he, he went to Japan basically and so co- caused all manner of trouble. You
1: have confirmation that this is based on the Claremont stuff. Yeah, cool.
0: And the guy who's writing, it ironically enough, is uh, Christopher McQuarrie who yeah. pinned uh, Usual Suspects um, and *Way the Gun, one of my favorite and most yeah. underrated movies ever. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's exciting. I think you – Aronofsky's been circling around comic book movies for a while, and so the, the idea of him actually getting to do one is really exciting. And considering it's a studio movie and it's like his first real studio movie, he hasn't yeah. done one before. And even though it's probably not going to get a big budget um, – which you know it might, based entirely around Jackman, who was instrumental in making this movie happen. Um, I expect nothing but good things. Like you no, know, it'll
1: be interesting because Fox really uh, meddles like crazy. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, but the thing is, is that I know that Fox Searchlight put mm-hmm. out The Wrestler. Yeah. So uh, I I think they might be doing Black Swan as well. His yeah. new movie. Um, anyway, it sounds like they've got a good relationship. So hopefully, he can make that work with uh, little to no interference from the studio. So, uh, Wes Anderson has a new movie that uh, he's working on right now, and the rumor is, it's called what? Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom. It yeah. doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but uh, neither does the Darjeeling Limited. So, <laughs> <laughs> to come to think of it, none of his movies really do. No. I guess Rushmore and, and Bottle Rocket, but... Uh, the Life Aquatic.
0: With Steve Zissou. Yeah.
1: That doesn't doesn't really either. Um, but anyway, uh, this is the weird thing, right? You've got your uh, Bill Murray, of course. Sure. Is going to be in the movie.
0: Contractually obligated to appear in every I'm fine Wes with Anderson that. movie. I'm
1: totally fine with that, too. Uh, Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. Edward Norton, Tilda Swinton, mm-hmm. and Frances McDormand. All right. I'm fine with all of those except Bruce Willis, and I'll tell you why. Because yeah. I saw Red recently, and... Um, I think that guy is so stagnant right now. I mean, seriously. Yeah, yeah. I, I get what he's doing. He's like poking fun at his persona. Yeah, yeah. It's not funny anymore. Yeah. It doesn't look like he's having much fun doing it, and he's certainly not challenging himself. So uh, it's been a really long time since I've seen Bruce Willis do anything remotely interesting. Uh, I guess he was kind of fun in Planet Terror. Like everybody was kind of fun in that movie, yeah. but – uh, yeah, so good luck, Wes Anderson. I, I I mean, I'm there just to see what Anderson's going to do. But this is set in the 60s. How many New Kink England. songs do
0: you think will be in it?
1: A lot, I hope. Yeah. It, well, he's already done Bowie. He's already done Kinks. Mm-hmm. He's already done The Who. Mm-hmm. So what other British invasion band is he going to do? It's got to be the Beatles, right? The Stones. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So Donovan.
0: Uh, he could just do Donovan.
1: That'd be sweet. I'd watch that. Well... You know, sometimes movies claim songs, though. And I think that Hurdy-Gurdy that, uh, Man is claimed by David Fincher's Zodiac. I think that is – nobody can use that movie or that song yeah. anymore. Yeah. Uh, that was almost like the Killers theme song, and that was terrifying yeah. in that movie. Uh, so anyway, uh, I want to see this Wes Anderson film. It's set in the 60s, which means it's the first time he's going to be doing a, quote, period piece, mm-hmm. which could be interesting. Because his movies always look like they take place in a time period that's kind of like ours. I
0: call them Bottle Cap. Movies where they're just kind of stuck in some weird,
1: yeah, yeah, and they and they all look like uh, you know they're in in these uh, ornate dollhouses, yeah. So, but anyway, so that's that. I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, This is not interesting. This is kind of mildly infuriating. Robert Zemeckis, the man behind such classics as Beowulf, Beowulf. You know, I didn't mind Beowulf; didn't hate it. The Naked Fight. The Naked Bite was sweet. So stupid. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid and funny. Uh, But he's doing a lot of the glassy-eyed, rubber-faced motion capture movies. Um, Polar Express. Polar Express. He produced Monster House. Um, But here's the deal. Uh, This is the guy who did Forrest Gump and Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wizard of Oz. What about it? He's uh, buying the screenplay, Mm -hmm. basing his remake of The mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz, which is what they're talking about him doing on that uh, you know screenplay and, and basically producing a remake of, of The Wizard of Oz. Uh, the person who they're talking about uh, for this is Robert Downey Jr., which is really weird because right now, Robert Downey Jr. is uh, supposedly going to play Oz in a movie called Oz, The Great and Powerful, directed by Sam Raimi. Okay. So where does that leave us? <laughs> I don't know if I want to see any of this. I mean, I, I was down for Raimi doing something different, at least. Yeah. So uh, Zemeckis doing The Wizard of Oz sounds to me like a bunch of motion capture and bad CGI. And having not seen uh, the Spielberg movie uh, Adventures of Tintin yet, I'm not convinced that there's... Well, I'm, I'm, I, am, I am convinced that there's no reason to do this. Yeah. So uh, it'll have to be really great for me to... Well,
0: speaking of bad CGI, uh, the Green Lantern trailer came out. Right. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah. Rye Rye. As I like to call him. Really? No. (laughs) Okay. Not really.
1: Is that what uh, Skojo calls him? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Isn't that Scarlett Johansson? I don't know. Yeah, nickname. Um, So yeah, uh, a lot of talk about uh, the Green Lantern trailer online today, and uh, I'm famous for not watching trailers unless I feel really compelled to, and so I didn't watch it. You are actually famous for that. Yeah, I'm famous for it. I mean, look it up. Yeah. You know, it's in the book, and uh, um, yeah, so I didn't watch it. I, yeah. What do you, what do you think? Uh, it's
0: pretty, I mean, it, it's definitely got a sense of humor about itself. Um, it's Ryan Reynolds doing his, like, he has two modes, you know, he's either up yeah. or he's down. Yeah. And so he was down in the box movie where yeah. he was in the you know, box movie. buried, buried. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was down Literally in that down, underground. Yeah. No. And then he's, when he's up, he's, he's like, there, there's a really telling sort of like final one off at the end after they they show the credits and stuff on the trailer where uh, oh
1: the tag at the end The <laughs> little tag yeah where like,
0: he um where he like pops out and makes the the ring instantly put him in costume and his his friend goes like whoa and he goes, i know right and yeah and then yeah. He, then credits
1: well, you know, I mean, Ryan Reynolds isn't always like that. I think uh, in Adventureland, he was dialed down quite a bit. And he was actually yeah. really good in that movie. But uh, I will, I will well, say will yeah, say, he's down or he's up. Yeah. He was, he so, was down in Adventureland. Okay, okay. Um, he's a cartoon character in this, and that's fine. I prefer fine. To think of him as lukewarm water. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of hot or cold. No, uh, here's the deal, right? Yeah. Fantastic Four movies, both of those movies, the recent ones, mm-hmm. sucked. All right? They were just embarrassing. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, Either this movie is going to be embarrassing mm-hmm. uh, in a in a fun lighthearted way like those movies are, or it's going to be fun and lighthearted and witty yeah. and and self reflexive, which I think Reynolds does well. Mm-hmm. But sometimes he overdoes it and he's really annoying. Right. So th- this is going to be a tough line for him to walk. His watch.
0: action hero mode is just so just uncompelling to me. <laughs> yeah. What was that like,
1: movie? Smoke and Aces? Yeah. Ugh. Oh, I hated that movie. Or
0: he's in, the, uh, to tie it back to earlier, he's in the Wolverine movie as Deadpool yeah. at the beginning and he's just like, he's in that for one, he talks for one scene and it's yeah. enough to be like, I hate this guy. Yeah, He loves the this fact that he's saying witty punchlines. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that, I think that it's just kind of bit him in the ass because I think that's kind of what he's, I, he started doing stuff like that even yeah. back when he was on TV. That was kind of his, when he started to cultivate a personality, that's what it was. Right. And even if he's gotten past that now, he's still like I think people are still writing that for yeah. him. Or so when they see that he's been cast as that, when they do punch up or when they do rewrites, yeah. they go like, oh, hey, have Ryan do something <laughs> funny here. You know, and so he's just kind of stuck in this loop where he's, he's Now to be fair though,
1: Green Lantern is not the smartest of characters. Mm-hmm. From what I know about this character, it sounds pretty ridiculous. What do you know? I know that he's got a little green lantern and, he, and, he, a, green and a, little, ring. a little ring and he flies around because he's got special powers and it's like from an alien or something. That's true.
0: Yeah. that's. Yep.
1: Uh, I mean, you know, I don't know how that compares to getting bitten by a radioactive spider, but. <laughs> it's about the gist of it. Yeah. yeah so. so. Well, you know what? Next summer is going to be full of uh, big tentpole uh, action comic book blockbusters. And this summer was not. So that'll be really uh, yeah. interesting to see how people react to all these movies coming out next year.
0: How long do you think uh, comic books are going to last? Now as like a viable movie Forever. mechanic, you think Forever. so?
1: Forever, yeah. Because what's the uh, the movie? Um, God, there's something coming out right now that's based on it. Well, Walking Dead on AMC that's based on a comic yeah. book. There's there's something else that's, that's uh, that I just saw a preview for that's based. It seems like everything's based on a comic book right now, and it makes sense. Yeah. So I I don't think I think it's going to become a regular thing, and I don't think that basing something on a comic book is going to be. A guarantee that it's going to be either good or bad because it's so commonplace now. Yeah, I think it's just going to come down to you know whether people can adapt them right or not.
0: Well, the rumor I I remember reading this thing in Rolling Stone. Um, Kevin Smith wrote, "God, it was right after the first Spider-Man movie came out." Um, uh, and he was just talking about how uh, the rumor is that um, that time warner keeps they own dc comics mm-hmm. they keep dc open just for the intellectual properties right you know that yeah. it's it's cheaper for them to keep the entire dc comic book industry running so that they can they can cultivate green right. lantern or batman or Superman or, or cotton or, carrot yeah or anything else someone someone puts out um or dazzler yeah, well, now you're, now, now you're, mixing, you're mixing Jonas. Am I? Is yeah. Tesla Marvel? Yeah, that was... Uh,
1: I'm showing my my comic book ignorance. Yeah. Sorry. Well, put it away. Um, speaking of comic books, we're going to gloss over this real quick, because I think we're running short on time. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hardy, uh, who uh, was in this uh, uh, awful movie called Bronson. I, hate, I thought the movie was terrible, but he was really, really great in it. Yeah. Uh, and he's probably more well-known for uh, Inception this summer. Uh he is supposedly going to be playing Doctor Hugo Strange in The Dark Knight Also Rises, <laughs> um, which is uh, the new the new uh, uh, Batman movie that Chris Nolan's directing. And mm-hmm. from what I've read, uh, he's some something of a mad scientist, and he might be doing genetic experiments. It actually sounds like a, a, a character outside of the superhero thing. Yeah. Uh, and and Nolan's been doing that up to this point, so that kind of goes right along with it. Other. You know, rather than having somebody dress up like the Riddler yeah. or you know, the penguin or something like that. Uh so that it sounds like it could be interesting and I think Hardy's a great actor.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh uh
1: Paranormal Activity Three on the way yes. next year. Uh yes. by demand. You demanded it. I did. On a I wrote, com. A, letter. I wrote you, a letter. You and uh everybody else who went to go see Paranormal Activity on its opening weekend, and then nobody. And then no one. Yeah, it just disappeared. But that's enough. When your movies cost five bucks. Yep. So uh, another thing, uh, uh, the trailer that just came out today, uh, Cowboys and Aliens. Oh yeah, Favreau's new thing. John Favreau uh, of Elf fame, Mm -hmm. of Zathura fame. Mm -hmm. You may know him from uh, Iron Man one and two.
0: No, I've never never seen those. Okay. (laughs)
1: Uh, You got your Daniel Craig, James Bond, and you got your uh, Harrison Ford and okay. they're cowboys. Okay. And um, there's a big spaceship that comes down and I saw Daniel Craig shoot it down in the trailer. Okay. So, uh, oh, that's <laughs> that's the comic book. That's yeah. the trailer I saw yeah, that yeah, did. Yeah. It's also that's based also on a comic. A book. Yeah. So I think I think comic books don't need to be superhero franchises anymore, you know? I mean, we've seen that The Road to Perdition well, we, and things yeah, like I was about that. To say,
0: so. yeah. And American Splendor and, yeah. and, and Ghost World. I mean, there's been sort of indie comic movies for I think they're
1: here to stay. I don't yeah. think I don't think comic adaptations are going to stop.
0: Yeah, I'm fine with it. I just, you know, like, Westerns are basically non existent now. I mean, we, we just mentioned Cowboys and Aliens, but that's not because it's a Western, it's because it's a comic. Yeah. You know, and, and then what was the last, like, I mean, 310 to Yuma? You know, what was the last, like, big budget Western?
1: Appaloosa. Appaloosa. That movie sucks. It wasn't the best. It's it
0: just like ed harris directed it and starred in it and it was just like it was like he had a checklist while he was making it it was like okay do we have a shoot yeah okay you know what
1: though appaloosa better than pollock which he also directed that movie stunk i have a good performance pretentious movie uh anyway there you go more opinions you didn't ask for uh we're good
0: i think we're gonna end it right there actually so on behalf of eric this is trevin scene stealers podcast we'll see you next week Well, that's it, everybody. Uh, thanks for checking in. Uh, to sum up, small, minor, minorist of recommendations for the next three days. Yeah, in in a, a, a big. If you feel compelled. A, a solid rock fist solid from fact, Mr. So. Moline for yeah. uh, Harry Potter.
1: For Harry Potter, definitely. Yep. Uh, next week, we are going to do a podcast that will come out before Friday because we have a deadline we have to meet. We want to tell you about some of the best uh, Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving-related movies uh, that you can watch with your family on Thursday.
0: And I'm going to suffer through Thanksgiving just for you, Sarah.
1: Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was it.